Hey guys, and welcome back to Biomast. We're on episode 112. We want to thank you for joining us either in on the stream or on the recording on iTunes or our, uh, our Twitter account where they're posted. Uh, just thanks for coming in. So we got uh, our usual guys here. We got the, the, the usual hosts and uh, a good lineup of uh, topics tonight for you. We're going to talk a bit about uh, some hands-on experience I had with PlayStation VR over the weekend. Uh, I know Jay went and saw the Warcraft movie. Uh, Bates been playing a bit with Fallout, and uh, we got some talk about Space Hulk. And uh, we'll probably finish it up with uh, a bit of a chat about the, the weekly freebie that I, I tried out earlier today. So uh, without much further ado, let's go into uh, introductions, starting at the top of the list with uh, Sarai Zell. I'm Sarai Zell, and I'm eating ice cream out of the carton right now. That kind of weekend, huh? It is. I, yesterday, yeah. yesterday, I woke up at 5 p.m., I swear. It was great. What? <laughs> when did you go to bed? Uh, 4 a.m., you know. But. Uh-huh. That's a... Okay. <laughs> Alright, uh, Bait. Hey, everybody. What's up? My name is Bait, and I'm cleaning. You said you were packing earlier. Where are you going? Uh, to Montana. That's funny. Oh, my God. Livy just got back from Montana. She's flying in right now. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. took some cool pictures. It's, I was definitely have to go sometime. It's gorgeous up there. You really should. Nicest people you'll ever meet, too. I know I joke about, you know, how you never meet anybody from Montana, but um, super it's nice. because there's nobody there. there. I know. <laughs> there's, like, nobody there. I, I ran out of my carton. My heart, carton of ice cream is empty. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Okay, Jason. Yeah, my name's uh, Jason, and I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomast, and uh, one of the part-time purveyors of the Biomast media empire, uh, such as it is. Uh, let's see, what do I got for tonight? Uh, 112 is another synthetic element. I want to say it's... Shit, don't tell me. Copernicium. There you go, jeez, yeah. that's... Learning time with Jay every week. No, that's that's all. I, it's literally like between like state and like world capitals and the periodic table. That's that exhausts a lot of my Jeopardy skills. But that's okay. <laughs> I'll admit I used to be much more well versed, so I'm, I've been brushing up because I'm, I'm feeling self conscious about not knowing what they are <laughs> when the well, show comes around. Well, in, so. in, all, in all fairness, I do really well in in, uh, in all the bar trivia games, like the little like uh, you know random games you play, like at whatever like Wingstop or. I've, I've know, done those. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I, I pretty much I usually dominate those pretty well. But which is like, and all the guys I work with when we go to one of these, they're like, "You know this, but you can't remember like basic facts about shit we do at work." And I'm like, "I there's only so much room in the hard drive." Oh yeah, yeah. Jason Larson, the purveyor of useless knowledge and winner of bar trivia games. That's and, pretty uh, accurate. <laughs> I'm uh, Pokey Draven, co-host here on the show. I write for the blog. I actually wrote an article for the blog. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we'll move right into that. The article I wrote for the blog. So this weekend, I know I mentioned it last weekend. Um, Sony is running demos for the new PlayStation VR headset at various locations. And you can go on their website. Uh, we got a link on on the on the the blog, and you can check it out. You know, on this week's uh, podcast posting as well. We'll have it up there. But if you go there, you enter in your uh, zip code, and it'll tell you locations nearby you that will have Sony reps there on the weekends to uh, let you demo the new PlayStation VR headset. I misspoke last week. Um, it's not just uh, this weekend and next weekend. It's actually all weekends up until October. So you've got you've got time to get out there. They only post 
the next two weeks for the time slots just so they can change their mind if they have to you know make a change on when it's going to happen or what hours it's going to be available so uh but regardless go on there check it out see if any location is nearby uh but yeah i went out to best buy it was about 20 minutes away and got to try out a couple games with uh the playstation vr headset so that's the one coming out in october uh it's going to be 400 to 500 dollars but uh and you know, I gotta say, I, I was pretty impressed. There were some some pretty key differences. Uh, full disclosure, I've played quite a bit with the Samsung VR headset before, and uh, I have tried Valkyrie on the old Oculus developer kit uh, headset. So I, I don't have access to the new commercial release of Oculus, and I have not gotten my hands on the Vive yet. So just when I make comparisons, bear in mind that it, it's not with. Uh, the commercial releases of the two competitors because I, I haven't gotten a chance to try those yet. But regardless, um, so yeah, the setup was actually pretty cool. Uh, it was a lot less complicated than I thought it was going to be. I know they released some wiring diagrams and it, it seems a little daunting, but it is pretty simple. Basically, what what's going on is you've got your uh, PlayStation camera, which is hooked up to the auxiliary port in the back of the PS4. That's standard. Some people probably own them already uh that's largely why it's not included with the camera with the the headset you gotta buy it separately but you gotta have the camera that's hooked up to the back and then there's the processor unit we'll, we'll touch on that a bit later but basically the processor unit has got a power cable um an hdmi in and an hdmi out and then your uh your headset's actually connected up with two cables to that processor unit and then the headset goes in your head obviously um, there are no built-in microphones like uh, the Oculus has. Kind of has those little earphones that are kind of connected to the side. There are no microphones built into it. Um, the rep did say it comes with earbuds um, if you need them for whatever reason, um, and that actually plugs into the cord with the volume controls on the cord leading from the headset to the processor unit. And the reason he said that that's actually preferable is because that's the 3D audio. So when they say 3D audio, they mean that when you have something in the game environment exploding behind you and you turn your head, the audio will track um, accordingly and intelligently to where you're looking. So it actually makes sense that you know when I look right, something that's behind me is now in my right ear rather than still behind me because that's not where it is within the kind of the digital world. Um, he did say that you can use your existing uh, headset. That's fine. Um, like I've got the the PlayStation 4 headset, which normally connects via a USB dongle that just goes in the USB port. Um, he said that will still work with the, with the, the VR. You don't have to use the, the, the three and a half millimeter jack, but you won't get the 3D audio that way. Luckily, the PS4 headset does have an option for that three and a half, uh, three and a half millimeter jack. So if you have that headset, you're good to go. If you've got a normal, you know, three and a half millimeter plug on your headset, you're good to go. I think the people only going to run into issues with the old USB headsets from like PS3 era where they didn't have that jack on there. So your sound is probably going to be okay with, uh, with the new uh, VR headset. Um, for the headset, it was actually really, really surprisingly comfortable. Um, much lighter than uh, when I played with the Oculus uh, developer kit, and the Samsung actually even felt heavier than than the, the headset. And I think that's mostly for how it's attached to your head. Um, in the example of the Samsung, it's basically your phone clips into kind of this, you know, eyepiece block, and it becomes the screen. And then there's an elastic band that goes around the back of your head, and it kind of pulls and pushes the uh, the eyepiece against your face, which it's not too uncomfortable, but after you do it for a while, it starts to kind of cut off blood circulation, and you start getting numb kind of in your facial region, which isn't very comfortable for long stints of play. Um, 
Now, the PlayStation one, on the other hand, it actually is kind of more like a ring where it, it, it goes around the back of your head, but there's a, a curved piece that rests kind of on your crown and on your forehead. And so the whole thing kind of rests on top of your head rather than being pressed against your face. And then the eyepiece is actually on a slider bar that um, goes in front of your eyes and can slide in and out to adjust the focus. And what's important to know about that is that it's not actually attached to the area around your face. I mean, so the the eyepiece doesn't ever actually necessarily have to come in contact with your face. It's kind of floating in front of you, which takes off a lot of that strain um, that you're going to feel in your face when you use like a Samsung VR gear or even the Oculus, which it was uh, kind of more of a, again, kind of like an elastic band. It wasn't elastic, but it was still kind of, you know, tugging at your face. It was attached using, using that force. So uh, very comfortable, very light. Uh, I was actually really surprised. Now, I've got a really big head, so um, for the sake of the demo, I didn't really have a chance to adjust all the, the little uh, nuances because in the back you could adjust the tightness and stuff like that. So um, it was a little tight on my head, but admittedly they have a very large head, so that was probably a bit problematic. I also had some issues getting it to focus properly, but again, I think that's one, because I wasn't wearing my glasses and I think I need to get my eyes checked again, and the fact that it wasn't really properly sitting on my head right, I think. So I think that once um, I go out there, probably again this weekend, I'll come properly prepared, and we'll, we'll see if I have a better experience in terms of how it fits and uh, and, and the focus on the eyes. Um, but overall, uh, the quality of the image was probably about on par with the DK2, which makes sense because it was about the same resolution. Um, I don't have the specs in front of me right now, but you know it, it, it's definitely clear enough to have a good gaming experience. It's not going to be you know crystal crisp clear like they they kind of tend to imply in some of the uh, you know the, the trailers you see online. But it, it is clear enough to, to to you know enjoy the game, and make it feel like it's a next gen game. Um, but certainly room for improvement, um, and that's kind of where you're gonna you're gonna run into the the differences between like the, the PlayStation VR headset and the uh, Oculus or the, the the HTC Vive, it's you know it, it's not as high of a resolution. It's just the the short end of it. It's it's not going to be as as crisp and clear as the others. Um, so that's something to definitely to keep in mind and, and why you should probably go try it out to see you know if if you are satisfied with uh, the quality of the image. But regardless, the head tracking was really on point. It was just as good as any of the other offerings I've seen in the market. Um, it was comfortable. Um, you know, it, it felt really intuitive. It, it's something that I've, I've spoke about before in the past with, with VR is that it kind of sucks you in. You kind of get lost in it. Um, and I really had no trouble, uh, despite having previous experience, I, I really had no trouble adapting to the new games I was trying out in this demo uh, to, to get the controls and a feel for it. And I, I felt very intuitive and comfortable with, uh, you know, looking around and getting a, a feel for the virtual space. It, it, it works really well. And in me, all, all the headsets do, but this certainly mirrors what the, uh, the competitors have. Um, as for the games, I, they had like five games there, I think. Um, I didn't get to try the, uh, Shark Cage Simulator, which is included in the PlayStation Worlds game, which comes with the VR bundle. It's kind of like a, what I would say the equivalent of the, um, Move Sports was when that came out. It's kind of a bundle of smaller games that 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 are included, um, just to kind of give you a, a chance to kind of look at a bunch of different aspects of it. But I didn't get a chance to try the Shark, Shark Simulator because it was kind of busy when I was there, and I did not try the football one where I guess there was a Move Sports. Yeah, yeah, it was like That's, Wii Sports, but that is such move. a ripoff of. Wii. <laughs> I was say, oh, it's like no, I mean it, it Wii Sports did it, and then you know everyone has to copy it. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> the Wii certainly certainly got the the lead on that one, but uh, yeah, there was a there was a move sports for those of you familiar with it. 
Um, so I didn't get to try the shark cage one, which, which, be, which would be included in that game, and I didn't get to try the football one. Um, but I did get to try uh, Eve Valkyrie um, again, um, and I tried that back in 2013 on the, the Oculus developer kit, but I got to try it again on the PlayStation this time. Uh, Battle Arena, which is kind of like a, a tank simulator, and uh, uh, things called Hypercube, which is kind of like a puzzle game. So Valkyrie, um, you know, we've talked about it a lot. It's CCP's uh, space dog fighting simulator. Um Honestly, it felt like a, like a much more polished version of uh, what we saw back in 2013 when I tried the tech demo then. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it was fun flying around. I mean, you, you kind of get a sense of scale for these EVE ships and how absurdly large they are. I mean, I came out of my uh, carrier launch tube and immediately crashed into a cruiser, <laughs> which was great. But uh, it was kind of a short little uh, demo where you're you know, escorting carriers to a, a station and then an enemy fleet shows up and it all goes to shit. And you're, you're fighting off enemy fighters for a little bit. It's just a little single-player campaign. And then uh, Amar um, Avatar Titan shows up and doomsdays the entire fleet and we all blow up and die. And that's kind of the end of the uh, the demo. So that that was pretty cool. Um, definitely worth giving a shot uh, if you're interested in, in, in a good dogfighter simulator. I know War Thunder is coming as well, and that's kind of the uh, the World War II I think uh, fighter uh, simulator that I think WarGaming.net puts out, which is the same guys that do World of Tanks. I, I believe I could be wrong on that, um, but I know that's coming out. I didn't get to try that, but that is on the table for uh, VR support in the near future. Um, Battle Arena was kind of this Tron-esque uh, tank simulator. It was pretty cool. Um, in that one, the controls of the tank were all done through the controller, so like the left, right, forward, back movement, and then aiming the turret up and down uh, was done with the uh, DualShock 4, but I was free to look around the, the cockpit of my tank, and it was kind of this like wide, uh, wide-angle window in the front, it's like 180 window, so I could kind of check my flank as I was, you know, zipping around shooting one tank, I was checking to make sure I wasn't being shot from the side, and um, there were some fighters above me, so I was able to look up and say, oh, I'm getting bombed, and I was able to aim my turret up and then shoot them, so that was, that was pretty cool, kind of arcadey, but, you know, uh, a good... Just kind of a good like pickup game. Just if you want to like you know, five ten minute match, you just kind of want to zip around and blow stuff up in a you know Tron like uh, battle tank. That was pretty cool. And then there was Hypercube, which was basically Tetris 3D, where it's this cube floating towards a wall, and the wall's got a hole in it that's shaped like a square. And so you line it up and you and you push the cube through the square, and then um, another cube attaches to your cube. So now it's kind of this rectangle, and so now you have to rotate the rectangle and, and try to get it to line up with the 2D hole that's on the wall you're approaching, and again push it through. And you know you get through like three or four cubes, it's not that big of a deal, but pretty soon, you know, it's this pretty complicated shape that's forming because it's kind of randomly, uh, you know, generated as it's, it's, it's getting more and more cubes attached to it. So now I'm looking and I'm actually in my, in the chair, kind of leaning around this virtual object, kind of looking at, you know, the sides, the angles and twisting it around and trying to get it to line up to look like, you know, the hole in the wall before I crash into the wall and, and lose. Um, and that was pretty cool too. You know, it was, it was a good, um, creative way of, uh, kind of teach people how to navigate 3D virtual space and, and and show them that, you know, you actually kind of have to lean and look. I mean, the the the, the headset has the capability to kind of tell to a degree where you are within the space um, in front of the camera. So when you lean forward and turn your head sideways, the camera will actually lunge forward and kind of look around the side of the cube. So you've, you've actually got some, you know, virtual space you can work with. It's not just... Um, 
where you're looking. It's actually where your head is. Uh, it was actually kind of cool on that one and on uh, Battle Arena. The uh, the game was also tracking the controller. So I was able to kind of lift the control up in front of my face. And in the virtual space, I could see the controller floating there in front of me. So, again, you can definitely track, you know, where that controller is um, using that light bar in the front of the, the PS4 controller. So that was really cool. Um yeah, it was it was a really cool experience though. I mean, it, it like I said, it's it's free. It's it's showing up. Um, GameStop I think has um, an exclusive demo for the London Heist game, which is again part of that PlayStation Worlds pack, and, uh, and then Best Buy is another one. I think there might have been another store he mentioned, but I, I forget. You can check online; like it lists everything within like a fifty mile radius of where you live that you can go. Um, yeah, I slept yeah. through them all this weekend, but I might go next week. I saw they had uh, next Saturday. They're doing some in my area again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. I mean, like, even if you're not planning on getting VR, go give it a shot. I mean, it's it's probably you know a, a ten minute drive for for kind of a cool experience. Um, but yeah, one unless thing you're in Montana, unless you're in Montana, I know. <laughs> I think Baton, Florida, has to drive like seventy five miles to get to the nearest no, one. Um, it's maybe 40 minutes away on the other side of the town. That's pretty rough. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I live in the largest city in the United States by area, and we have one. <laughs> uh, there's only only one in Phoenix, and Phoenix is actually a, a, a really big city, too. I was very <clears> surprised. Um, I've got three or four in my area, and I'm not actually in the city at all. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's weird. Uh, one thing I, I do want to mention that I actually misspoke about this in the past, um, and I think it's a pretty common misconception, and that's with the, the processor unit that's hooked up to the uh, the VR. So I was talking to the guy, and apparently the PlayStation is completely capable of pushing all of the visuals needed for um, the headset. The, the processor is not actually processing any graphical data in the sense you're thinking. Um, it, it actually could probably work without it, um, but they chose not to because what's happening is that the PlayStation 4 produces both images which gets projected through the HDMI into the processor unit which then gets pushed up the you know like the cable into the headset so you got one image for each eye and it, it's distorted because you have to distort images for VR because it's kind of like a fisheye sort of thing going on what the processor unit is doing is one it's doing the 3d audio so you know that that does take some load off of the, the PS4 um, but what it's also doing is it's undistorting the image and combining it and displaying it on the TV as a single screen. So basically, people sitting on the couch next to you can see exactly what you're looking at um, on the screen while you're playing. It just won't be 3D, obviously. And I think this is actually probably pretty cool because for streamers, if you want to stream gameplay for a VR game like VR, like E-Valkyrie, and the person on the other end doesn't have a VR headset to view it in, they're either forced to, you know, get a Google Cardboard pretty much and watch it on their phone or they're looking at their TV screen with two images, you know, that are not very enjoyable to look at unless you're wearing a VR headset. So I think this is actually probably pretty good for those who like to stream stuff. Um, uh, share play maybe if you want to have like your like one friend that wants to watch while you play, it's a little bit quicker than streaming to Twitch or something like that. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the processing unit isn't actually, uh, helping the ps4 it's really solely there just for the audio and for that uh, second screen putting it up on the tv so i do want to correct myself on that because I, I incorrectly said that it was helping the ps4 in the past and it, it definitely is not from what i'm reading and, and what i talked to the rep about so that's actually pretty cool i was that was kind of neat to be able to watch people play um 
while they while they had the headset on, we were we were all kind of standing in line there watching uh, on the TV at the same time. So that was that was really cool, a really neat feature that I I didn't know existed, but uh, I think it'll be good for the product in the long run. Were there a lot of people there? Um, it was a fair amount, kind of a slow trickle. Um, I, I waited in line for maybe like three or four guys in front of me, and then they just kind of kept walking up. Uh, one after the other about in the time it took to finish the demo which was like five minutes so i was able to kind of stick around for for a while and i, I got to do all three of those games but uh, it, it wasn't actually too bad and i went on saturday afternoon probably about three o'clock um and in my location they closed at four thirty, so we, i pretty much stuck around until they they packed up shop and and headed out for the day so you know you you can spend some time doing it but i think you'll probably be able to get in there fairly well um it didn't it wasn't crazy I mean, it wasn't like a like a 50-man line or anything like that mostly because i don't think they've really advertised it that you know prominently i mean you see it around but unless you're you're looking for it you're, you're probably not gonna know that they're doing it i mean even when we got to the store there was you know a sign that said demoing today but it was like you know right in front of where they were demoing it like you had to walk back to that area of the store to even know it was there it wasn't even like in the front or anything like that so i'm not really sure why they're doing it. you think they'd kind of want to get it out there as much as possible but uh regardless it, it wasn't too busy so you know if, if you're in the area bait I, I i do suggest you go try it out i mean it, at the very least it's good to get a comparison with uh the other VR headsets to just give it a shot because it is it is pretty cool. My brother came with and he tried E-Valkyrie for the first time and, and got the giggles as he was you know shooting out the launch tube for the first time. I got a picture of him. So yeah, I was <laughs> like, is is that is that Pokey in the blog? And I'm like, no, nope, not Pokey in the blog. Okay, that's that's my brother. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he I I wanted to get a picture because the first time I did Valkyrie, I did the same thing. I kind of got the giggles when I uh, launched out of the tube because it is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, my brother came with me and we, we did that. So yeah, like I said, guys, um, we'll get a link up on the forums or on, I'm sorry, on the, uh, on the blog on, on this week's podcast. And you can also, I suggest to read the article. I went a little more in depth in the article. Um, and we get, there's a link in there too. So you can find out the locations near you, but, uh, definitely worth, uh, checking out if, if one is reasonably close to you, I, I think <laughs> bait might have to make a bit of a road trip to get out there, but, uh, hey, hey, what's the price point on these? So the headset itself is $400, and that comes with the processing unit and all the needed cables and stuff. Um, what is not included in that is the camera, which is necessary to play. But the reason they didn't sell that with the headset is because a lot of people own the camera already, um, and they didn't want to make you buy something you already owned again. So the camera, I think, retails for like 60 bucks, but you can get it for like 35 40 on Amazon, depending on the day. Um, so we'll say that's about 40 bucks for the camera. Or you can buy uh, the $500 bundle, which comes with the headset, the camera, two move controllers, and the uh, PlayStation Worlds game. So that's going to have pretty much everything you're going to be able to play with the, the, the headset. That's, that's $500. So $400 for the headset. Um, like four forty, four fifty ish. If you just want the camera and the headset, and then five hundred for the whole bundle of the game and the move controllers and all that. And that's uh, in comparison the Oculus Rift, which I think has integrated headset uh, headphones for uh, six hundred, and then the HTC Vive, which has two motion controllers and the headset for eight hundred. So, um, yeah, the, you know. the Vive being drastically better than all of the above from what we've heard. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, that, that is certainly, I, I kind of go into that in the, in the post as well, that, you know, the, the PlayStation 1, while a solid piece of hardware, is not the best money can buy. But if you don't have a gaming PC, 
you're gonna have to put out a lot of money to get the Vive. Cause I, I figured they'd you know. make a lower price point too. I, I thought they would be maybe three to four hundred instead of four to five for the PlayStation. You mean? Yeah, I was hoping for three, but four is within the margins. I think um, of what'll work. I think that the the camera is the one that is probably gonna get people. I'm afraid a lot of people are gonna get the headset and not realize they need the camera, and then they're they have to go out and fork out another fifty bucks for the camera, which is going to probably irritate a lot of people, but at the same time, I think like 20% of uh, PlayStation 4 owners have the camera, supposedly, by Sony's projections, so you know, I wouldn't want to be forced to buy the camera um, if I already owned it, but at the same time, they haven't really been making it too obvious. I mean, it's in the fine print, but it doesn't have like a big, by the way, you need the camera in bold print because, you know, they, they want to kind of push that $400 price point as being the lowest in the market right now. Okay, well, enough on that. Like, like I said, if if you have you know more questions or comments, uh, check out the the post on the blog on the blog, and we will uh, you know reply to that, and that goes a bit more in depth. But uh, enough on on PlayStation VR. Um, Jason, I know that you went and saw the uh, Warcraft movie this weekend. Did you want to talk about that for a bit? Uh, yeah, sure. I can give the uh, the brief elevator review of it. Um, it was it was an unintended screening, so I was not I was not there actually. Uh, jotting down notes or anything like that. But uh, the first thing I would tell you is that uh, w- when you look at these kind of movies, like I'm, I'm very aware that it seems like a lot of movies coming up, particularly these type of movies are, you know, there's, they all have this, I think, desire to be like the next Avengers or the next Hobbit, you know, or correction, you know, like Lord of the Rings or whatever. Um, so, and everybody rushes the Metacritic and, and then suddenly if you get like a C plus or B minus score, you've, you know, it's a failed movie. Uh, so all that is kind of context for what I'm about to say. I, I, I will tell you upfront, I thought it was pretty decent. It was not great. It was not, you know, it's not the next new super franchise, uh, but it was, it was pretty well done for, for about a two hour movie trying to figure out how to, you know, pack in, all of the all of the the nuances and stuff that is in the you know a very huge pool of of history and lore in the Warcraft gaming you know IP, they did a, a pretty solid job. It looks really good. Like the, like the the movie itself is like technically crafted really well. Like just like the visuals, the CGI is very very good. Uh, the orcs look like super super good. They 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 went all out on that one look great um the actors playing the orcs were phenomenally good like you, their performances carried over the cgi uh very well the human actors playing humans maybe not as much um so there was a lot of there's goods and bads there's nothing that was really bad about it uh so i would say i would give it like a b minus b plus if you like warcraft there was a pretty fair amount of uh, well-placed and subtle sort of fan service to the Warcraft IP. Blizzard, I assume, had some some creative guys in there helping out, uh, helping out get you know do that as they went through the production of the movie. But it was pretty well done. You know, it was it was certainly not a bad video game movie. It was not a bad movie. Period. Uh, I do think that it was really struggled with two things uh, predominantly. How do you fit in just a, a ton of different characters and stuff in a single two-hour movie? Um, that was 
that was, I think, clearly a challenge for them. And then really the, you know, what that leads to into is um, the, the second problem, the actors have to be like really spot on to make you like grab their character and help follow through whatever arc or side story they're in. Um, the orcs were great. Like the ones that played the guys that played the orcs uh, were that, that was really good. I was actually more interested in that part because the, you know, the, the, the actors and actresses playing the, playing them really well, great voice actors in there and actually just good actors. Uh, but the folks in the, you know, in the human side, I mean, there's some, there's some decent actors over there, but th- there were so many characters to get involved in so many, and there was so many different kind of parallel lines of story going on. It was really hard. So even the best, best actors they had, uh, like in the human side, it was really difficult to, um, allow them to, to kind of get after it. Like Ben Foster plays, uh, Medivh, the, uh, like this super powerful archmage type guy. Um, and, and he is a f- pretty talented actor. He's got a really wide range. He's been in a ton of different movies. Uh, he was pretty solid, but you kind of, it kind of telegraphed where the movie was going with him pretty early. And then Dominic Cooper plays the King. Uh, I can't remember his name, but I'm sure it's some Val infested, very highfalutin name, but, um, the you know, Dominic Cooper is a pretty solid actor. He's the guy that plays Preacher. Uh, he plays Jesse Custer on the the AMC series Preacher. He's good, but there's you know like snippets of him every twenty or thirty minutes. So it's it, it's kind of hard to hard to get after. the uh, The main character on the human side, Travis Fimmel, he plays and Anduin Lo, or Lothar or whatever his name is. He's a he's a pretty big wheel in the, in the Warcraft world. If you've played any of the games for any length of time, you will have recognized this character as sort of the lead protagonist amongst the, the human faction. Uh, he's the guy that plays the lead in the, uh, the history channel Vikings series. He is much better in the Viking series than he is in Warcraft. Let me put it that way. Um, but it's like I said, not, it's not too bad. I, I would say it's a good movie. It's probably worth the price of admission. If you're a Warcraft fan, you'll probably like it. If you're just kind of like a fantasy kind of sci-fi fan, it will probably be entertaining to you. Uh, I don't suspect it will be it will be a um, you know a blockbuster or anything like that. So generally, the plot kind of kind of goes it skims over like the thinnest of of Warcraft lore only because there's so much. So long story short, orcs are on a dying world trying to get to our world. They have to sacrifice a bunch of prisoners to open a gate or a portal uh, with like evil magic. By the way, they have a great, they have a really easy, easy thing to tell in this movie, which I, I thought was actually, it sounds surprisingly simple, but it worked real well. Green is bad. Blue is good. Anything that looks magic-y or energy looking stuff, green is good, bad, or green is bad. Blue is good. It was real simple. It works out that, pretty that well. holds for the game too, for the most part. Yeah. It's a, and, and I know and that's, that was one of those little subtle sort of, sort of things that you pick up in the game. Um, so they sacrifice, these orcs sacrifice a bunch of prisoners, this big evil warlock orc, uh, sends a bunch of warriors through with the kind of orc protagonist, uh, Duratan, who's played by Tony Ke- uh, Toby Kebble. He's the guy that played uh, Dr. Doom in that really ill-fated Fantastic Four movie uh, about a year and a half ago. He's actually really good. He's a pretty solid actor, like not counting that fan- Fantastic Four movie. Um, so he plays Duratan, who is also, you know, is a kind of a, a big wheel in the Warcraft lore. Um, 
he goes over and they kind of definitely, you get a definite sense of there's kind of heroes on the, there are protagonists, if you will, on the orc and the human side. There's bad guys on the orc and the human side. They do a really good job of that, actually. I mean, that's actually pretty solid. Um, Duncan Jones is a really good director. Uh, I mean, he he does good work, uh, a lot of good stuff. And I think he did a pretty as good as he was going to be able to do in a two-hour pitch on Warcraft. So orcs come over, and they're trying to capture a bunch of humans, you know, pillage the land so they can kill a whole bunch of them to open up a bigger gate and let the rest of the orc horde in. And that's really what, that's the plot device that they battle back and forth. Um, no, I'm not kind of going into spoilers right now, but there is a, a, a minor plot. There's a bit of a plot twist. Uh, and then you see that maybe the bad guys in the orc and the human side aren't that they may, they, they, I don't know that they know they're helping each other, uh, but they are certainly doing things that, uh, contribute to what the other person wants, but they, they may not even be aware that the other one exists. Um, so there's some of that going on. Uh, it, it is, it is a very visually well done. The final battle is really well done. There's a, there's a, a lot of really cool elements to it. Um, so long story short, they do a big battle over the portal, uh, and then all as well, but it certainly sets up for a second movie if they decide to make one, uh, which actually I would be kind of interested to see, believe it or not. Um, I'm not a huge Warcraft guy, but the movie I think was done well enough that if they brought Duncan Jones back, he he would make an even better movie because he's he's generally that good of a good of a producer director. Uh, so I think I think it would be pretty pretty solid. Now, interestingly enough, they've actually done really well outside the U.S. with the Warcraft China movie, particularly. yeah, in in Asia. So I I would not surprise me at all if they bring this back in another. Uh, like in, in another installment, so to speak, and learn, learn some lessons. And if I'm not mistaken, it's past Prince of Persia as the highest, the pers- highest producing video yes. game movie. So that that's not a bad sign. Like I said, pretty solid outing, but you know, it was, you would to tell the story that they probably originally wanted to, you would really need to do it in like two, two, two and a half movies uh, just because of there's so much stuff going on. Um, here, so my, my thought on this going in was if I knew nothing about Warcraft, could I understand this movie? I would say generally, yes. If I knew something about Warcraft, would it make the movie better? Yes. So yes to both of those. So if you know anything about Warcraft, if you ever played it, you know, you don't have to be like really sunk into it, but just, if you did like 20 minutes of like a little bit of Wikipedia reading on like, you know, Hey, well, what's Warcraft a little bit about the story you'd pick right up on everything. Uh, but if you you're a player that has gotten into Warcraft, you you moderately deep, you will see a lot of nods to it. Um, they had like and they're really subtle about it. Duncan Jones is really good about this visually. So there's I won't like I said don't go into a lot of spoilers, but there's a couple areas where I kind of expected to see like this you know, big magical overhead map kind of thing with a hand reaching down and you know kind of like you do in the UI of the game. That's not what they did. There was actually a big us uh, like. Uh, map of the realm in like the king's like uh in the in the war room if you will it was made out of hexagonal wooden blocks that were you know sort of terrain terrain elevated wooden blocks it was it was really well done and it's like something that you're like yeah i could totally see in that world there'd be you know some kind of terrain relief map and they would use these wooden blocks to do it it looked really good and it was you could see them how they would gesture over the map pointing to different parts of the battles that that was sort of their very subtle homage to the, you know, the top-down UI in World of Warcraft. 
but generally thought it was not bad. Certainly not the best movie ever. Uh, there were some areas that could have been stronger. I, I think honestly, most of it was just the scale they were trying to hit, but there's a lot, there would be a lot there to build on if, if they do go into a second movie. Um, Zell, did you, did you see this one as well? Yeah, I talked about it uh, the first week it was out. Um, yeah, go ahead, man. Oh, man, I, I think you were pretty much spot on with everything. Um, I'm actually, uh, you know, as people probably know, I've, I've played World of Warcraft for a very long time. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I came into it with a lot of experience. I thought it was, you know, as you said, it, it wasn't wasn't a bad movie, but it, was, it there was nothing standout amazing about it either. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there are actually some inaccuracies that, that I guess can annoy fans. I didn't notice when I saw the movie. I actually read an article about all the things that were wrong with it. And then I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, the city of uh, Dalaran isn't floating at this at the point in time of the rest of the, the, the movie. So that's, you know, there's a couple of little anachronisms there that they kind of threw in there because it's like, hey, we're making a movie. What looks good in CGI? And floating cities look cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I actually, I ended up seeing it twice. Um, I saw it with... Uh, some friends, and then the other friend that I completely didn't, you know, wasn't available that time. I went to go see it with him too, so I, I did see it twice. Um, I thought Cadgar was really, really well done. Um, I, I think that I, I really wish they'd turned up the humor a little bit more than they did. Um, you know, Warcraft is at the end of the day, Warcraft is a pretty cliche franchise. Yeah, um, okay. That was that's a, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that, that's that's something that was nagging in the back of my, you know, I was thinking about like the little that I've messed with Warcraft. It is. It, it it is it is like many Blizzard products. It is designed to be a bit tongue in cheek, uh, and it pokes fun at itself a little bit with the tropes and the memes that it has, uh, fairly overtly in some cases. This movie took itself really seriously. <laughs> yeah, and there were, well, I mean, there were there were bits and pieces. Um, you know, the the polymorph scene, you know, was really what I expected to see a lot more of in the movie. Yeah, no, I, I could buy that. But I enjoyed it, and I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I would say I think it has a decent chance of getting at least a, somewhat of a sequel, because it, it does have that highest grossing video game movie ever title. It did really well in China. Um, you know, I could I could see them giving it another shot, um, and, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, and interestingly enough, the other, there's actually another video game movie coming out this year that looks interesting, possibly okay, which is the Assassin's Creed trailer plays before every Warcraft showing, so... It's gonna be so good. No, that's that would be. I don't know if good. I'm gonna say. I'm. I don't know if I'm gonna say it's gonna be so good at a time. It is a video game movie, but we'll see. Yeah. So I mean, I, like, I, I guess the roundup of I, if I had to give it like a, a like a one out of ten, I would probably say it racks in around about a, a seven, like a six point six point five to seven. And, yeah, that's fair. And I, well, and and if you're a fan of Warcraft, it could probably go as high as seven point five. So it's in that range, fan. Uh, I, I, and again, I think Duncan Jones, if he, if somebody gave him a shot to make another one of these, it would be noticeable, noticeably better. The, um, let's see, trying to, interesting thing about Duncan Jones. Do you, you guys know who his fan, who his, uh, father, father and mother are, right? I do not. David Bowie and Angie Bowie. What? Yep. Seriously? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it, it, I mean, you can totally see, like, he grew up in the, in the house that, like, you know, his dad was the Goblin King, you know? Yeah. No, and, and he's made, and he's, he makes some pretty solid stuff, too. So, um, like I said, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, just kind of, you know, I would, I would really like to see him get another go. 
So that's just my thoughts on it. And again, the, the orc part fan, you know, is really, really, really engaging actually. So on that note, uh, I don't have anything else on Warcrafting. Anybody had any questions? I didn't want to, unless you guys really the, want to go into The only thing spoilers, I noticed, please. the only thing go I ahead. noticed um, while I was sitting here um, is I guess officially the IMDb movie title now is Warcraft at the Beginning. Um, and totally then below, that. below that, it says Warcraft original title. And I'm like, as far as I know, I, I recall no marketing for this as Warcraft the Beginning. And at least when I saw it when it released, I was pretty sure it was still just called Warcraft. So I kind of wonder if they already, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing that it's gotten that subtitle, which I don't well, think it had in any marketing material. I, I, assume, I assume that if you make a movie with like this, with this big of an IP or that, you know, you're putting this much effort into it, they were clearly, uh, you know, clearly setting themselves up for a, a, you know, for a follow-on series of movies, at least one. Uh, I, I think that's pretty obvious. But so on, on to other movie news, uh, in, interesting video game news. So for the, you know, I, and I, I know I'm about to be accused of my, my, my overwatching, if you will. Um, we don't do T-bowing on here on, on the show. We do overwatching. So that's just how it works. So, <laughs> Uh, we've talked a couple times about like uh, video game movies and like how the animated shorts are, are really good. And we've highlighted the overwatch ones, which are like Pixar quality, you know, really, really solid. So a couple of people have, if you, the couple of people, a couple outlets have been putting the question to blizzard, if there were designs for an actual full length animated movie for overwatch, based on like these shorts that they, they'd been putting out. I think there's about 40 minutes of total shorts. It's about four, four different ones that come out. There's somewhere between six and nine minutes in length, each one. And, and they're all really good. Well, th- there's a couple things going on in each one of the shorts. They all are taking place in components of the maps that you play on the game. And some of them are like, actually there's a lot of interesting little, spoilers and Easter eggs dotted through throughout the, uh, the little shorts and versus what you can see in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the gameplay. So for example, when you're in the, the map of Numbani, it's that like very high tech sort of African uh, city where the, the Omnics and the humans live together. The, the payload that you escort, if you've ever looked at it, like in the truck, there's like a big cylinder. The payload that you're escorting is that bionic hand of uh was i think doom fist that was featured in the very first uh overwatch short that they released with trailer winston widowmaker and or, and uh reaper the, when the two kids in the in the museum go in so he, here was here was something that that some people are starting to quietly report is that that was actually that some of these shorts are actually treatments that they were doing or test shots that they were doing for a full length animated overwatch movie. It's blizzard. Absolutely will not touch that. They will not comment on it. They will not say no. They will not say yes. So for fans out there listening, when it when you ask a company something, anything basically about what they're doing with a future property or a thing they're making or something and, and they won't comment on it. It's they're doing you, it. You might as well just write down that they're doing it <laughs> or, or at least that they're, I would say, if not doing it, they're actively trying to figure out if they want to do it or they're exploring it. So that was just my little tidbit on the, uh, 
on uh, kind of video game movie stuff related to war, you know, since we're on the Warcraft uh, being that there's, there's been a, a few interesting, you know, sort of some inter- internet theories, but Blizzard has actually been asked a couple in a couple venues. I think even at E3, uh, if they were looking at doing like overwatch, like full length or you know, animated series or something like that, that they're not touching that with a 10 foot pole, but the, the way they're doing it certainly leads you to believe that they're at least considering it. And by the way, considering the, the quality of those things, I, it's, it, it would probably not be a bad bad call. I, I I honestly I always thought that they sh- their in house people should have done the Warcraft movie as CGI. You know, it's their their team does incredible work. So if you know, oh, if yeah. they if they uh, go that way, well, I I could see I, I could see Warcraft. I could see them wanting to do you know kind of more of a live actiony one with that one. But something like Overwatch, that that I think you could make a full length movie and leave it in that sort of like. Basically, the animation style is what you see in Frozen, like like yeah. for real. Oh yeah, and it's I would basically leave it like that because it's that that is very much what the characters are, uh, you know, you know how they're portrayed, uh, and you have a lot of art already done for it, you know, so to speak. So that was just an interesting tidbit on that one. And uh, my last bit of overwatching as I as I take a knee and I genuflect is uh, looks like Blizzard hits about seven million seven million players. Uh, in the last reporting period for Overwatch. Now, my assumption is that's over all three consoles, but pretty good marker for for saturation of their game. So I I, I suspect they're pretty happy with that. And for uh, just just other news, in case people don't know, uh, the competitive mode of uh, Overwatch launched last yep, week. Sure did. Um, and I've heard I've heard it's drastically more toxic than uh, Overwatch's usual casual happy-go-lucky uh, attitude. Well, that's where all the people that are, you know, those, you know, 16-year-olds that are just, like 250 pounds, keto, keto eating Use kids the word. that are... Use the word. It's called, they're called tryhards. There's something, but it's, uh, they're, they're really, really, you know, they, that's where suddenly now that it's a, now there is a quote-unquote competitive league or a bracket, that's where these guys gravitate to um, that are, are like hyper-competitive, but probably haven't seen like sunlight in like six months. Um, there, there's a little bit of that. Uh, I personally now, don't, I don't, yeah, even they're all segregated <laughs> off away from me now. So <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty accurate. Uh, and, and what, what you'll see is a lot of people bitch and complain about, uh, oh, you can't do this. You can't, you can't like queue solo and competitive. This sucks. You know, like the, the developers of the game explicitly describe the game as a co-op activity, like explicitly they describe like the in-state being objective-based gameplay and co-op, <laughs> like yeah. very explicitly. This shit drives me nuts. They go to great lengths of describing that, and then then what you get is like, um, you know, when you when you do turn, like I did, kind of mess around with. It. I would like have my mic on a little bit, and they, um, you'll get these people that are just flipping out at you for like who you're who you're picking for your for your character or this that and the other. Or like, it's kind of interesting. Um, and what I think Blizzard's about to do is basically they're going to treat Overwatch like they treat Heroes of the Storm, which is I would refer to as the the quote unquote nice MOBA versus the the toxic shitty MOBA, aka League of Legends. Um, I think that that's the tactic that they're definitely trying to take with this uh, in terms of how they're moderating it. I think they're going to, I think they pulled, they had some tools originally where you could like basically block playing with somebody. 
uh, and they pulled those back. You prefer avoid people. Yeah, I think they've pulled that back, and they're they're trying to tune it, and then they're going to re-release it. But they're definitely. I think I think Blizzard does a pretty solid job of trying to keep that more or less under control. But it's it's you know it, again it's it's like anything if you if you have three or four people if you have any group number of people in Overwatch that know how to work together and they're on comms you're you are dramatically better than if you're just six randoms that aren't talking to each other. And I don't care what and there's almost no game that I can come up with in my head that that there's not a marked advantage if you're actively communicating and working together uh, in some sort of with some sort of focused goal uh, as opposed to six random people doing whatever they want. Like I, I'm I literally can't I don't know that I can think of a game where, where that's that's relevant uh, where you know where the opposite end of that coin is relevant. So um it, it is interesting. So, so I think that they're they're definitely ramping up for ESL. Uh, that that's for sure. And that's all my overwatching for the week. <laughs> that's good stuff, though. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately when you get into the high end competitive mode of that sort of stuff, it gets nasty real quick. If if the the community is pushing that, the the developers kind of have to put the kibosh on it and, and have the, the no douchebag policy to to keep that a little more friendly. Otherwise, it's gonna it's gonna drive a lot of people off, and I don't think that's what they want. It's certainly not gonna help their uh, their IP. And of course, Blizzard has their trademark profanity filter on by default as well. Naturally. <laughs> All right, moving forward. Uh, so. Bait. Um, I know that both you and I play Fallout 4, and one of the big things we've talked about in the past is that mod support for Fallout 4 on consoles is going to be a thing. And I heard that recently it now is a thing for Xbox players, but not PS4 because they're having issues. But regardless, I know you've been playing Fallout 4 with mods now on, on your Xbox One. Did you want to talk about it real quick, kind of what's going on with, with how that's working out? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I actually noticed it uh, the other day. Excuse me, and um, I thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try this out. And so I go and I click on it. It's you know right there in the main menu. It says mods. So I go and I click on it, and uh, apparently the mods are you get them from Bethesda's website, so you have to have a Bethesda um, .net account. But once you set that up, you go in super easy. Um, you go in, search what mod you want, um, and they just. Uh, select it, click download, and then bam, it installs and does whatever it needs to do for the game. Uh, and then from there, you just uh, you just launch the game like normal, um, w- which is really cool. It was, you know, uh, like I said just a second ago, super, super easy to use, not hard to understand. Um, the bad thing is, though, and I'm kind of disappointed uh, about this, is that it turns off achievements and trophies. So if you're playing, you can't, or with mods, you can't, you can't get those, those achievements and trophies for those who like to, um, to get the thousand points or to get the, the platinum, um, you'll have to start Presum- again. Presumably because they would potentially, various mods might make it easier to accomplish said things. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so that's turned off. Um, so, you know, I, I made my little Bethesda account and uh, I sat there for like maybe an hour and a half just looking through all the different, um, all the different mods. And I think I put together a list of, I don't know, maybe 30 mods. And the game runs great um, for, you know, it being on a console and having that many mods on there. Um, I think I noticed one frame rate drop, like as soon as I loaded it up after um, getting the mods for the first time. Uh, my frame rate decreased and I lagged for maybe a minute and a half. And then everything was back to normal. So 
lot of really cool mods. It's great to see um, uh, how some of the, the, the PC modders have, um, have kind of started to move their content over to Xbox. I know there's a lot of, um, a lot of mods on, on the console that there are on, um, on Nexus mods or whatever. Um, so it, it's good to see that there is a lot of support uh, for this feature. So, you know, for, for PC, modding can get pretty, pretty crazy to a point where people, you know, rebuilt entire, entirely new games, you know, using the engine from an existing game. What kind of mods are available on, on the Xbox version? I mean, what, what kind of limitations are you seeing or is it kind of the sky's the limit? Like, like what are some of the ones you downloaded that, that were working? Unfortunately, it's not sky's the limit. Um, there's no porn or nudity because, um, you know, clearly, clearly that's, that's the first thing the I searched for. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, I, I was going to ask, like, was your first mod like a nude mod or something? Or No, it, it, it actually was not. It was, a, um, it was that, that mod that uh, shows what your character is actually going to say uh, in the, the dialogue tree instead of that stupid summary that uh kind of it kind of fucked me over to the base game where it's like oh okay i want to say i want this option but you know when the character went to to speak it wasn't what that option said it was it was something completely different so um that was the first thing i downloaded was to fix that um you can't do any like um different properties um you can't mod those in so there's not going to be like fucking thomas the tank engine death claws running around or um, like Halo armor or something like that. So it, it's mostly um, uh, like I, I saw a couple of um, modern weapon mods where you can create like uh, you know modern weapons that we have now and assault rifles and such. Um, a lot of uh, bugs to f- or a lot of mods to fix bugs that uh, people have found in the game, uh, which is really nice. Um, flashlight mods to you know just change up uh, the the pit boy light color and um, some of the properties that uh, it has. You know, I, some grass mods I think to make the wasteland look a little bit more visually appealing. Uh, water mods, you know, just just visual um, upgrades, I guess, or modifications. <laughs> So you said that there's mods for like adding more modern weapons to it. So are they able to import like actual new 3D models? It's not just existing assets. You know, I actually don't know. Um, I didn't download any. Um, okay. Just because that's something that didn't really interest me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have downloaded though um, uh, a mod to um, that will give you like uh, variations on some. Um, on like the vault jumpsuit, for instance, um, where it looks radically, it doesn't look you know radically different, but you can tell that there's a change um, from the the standard vault 111 jumpsuit and the one that the uh, that the mod uh, gives you. But I don't know if that's a, a 3D modeling you know thing or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's that's interesting. I mean, was was there a pretty large selection of mods to, to choose from? I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that not all mods that were you know on PC are instantly ready for for Xbox. But was the the selection pretty good for oh, the Xbox yeah. version? Yeah, the selection was huge. Like there was some stuff that you know I I hadn't even thought of or that I didn't think I wanted, but it turns out that I really wanted. So um, yeah, there was a huge library of uh, of stuff to choose from. 
Well, that's good to know. I, I mean, hopefully they, they solve the issues they're seeing with uh, the PS4 version um, and get that out there soon. I, I didn't even know that the Xbox came out because I'd just been paying attention to the, P- the PS4, but uh, I'm glad to see that it's going well. Um, I mean, a lot, I mean, unfortunately, while Fallout 4 is actually not too glitchy, Bethesda games on that scale tend to suffer from a, a fair share of glitches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good to see that you've got, at least on console, the ability to have other people go in and, and fix you know Bethesda's game and and fix those because some of them are pretty crippling. I mean, there's there's still some some missions I can't complete because they've glitched and I can't get past certain dialogue because it's it's a problem. And you know it's good to know that I'm not going to have a, a botched save because you know the game didn't work right. So I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm actually going to check out their their mod tools. I know that the way it, it works is that you um, you go on onto your computer and you basically make the mod on your computer and then you can upload it and they they vet it to make sure it's not going to you know be be you know, breaking machines. But you know uh, the ability to go in and actually tweak stuff you know on my own because I think that I think that the Bethesda actually released a tool specifically to help you create mods. Um, oh, really. I think there's oh. a, I think there's an official tool. I'm not sure. Um, cool. I have to check on that, but it's probably more simplistic stuff. But I mean, probably gives you the option probably to make some some minor changes and, and texture swaps and stuff like that. So, you know, that's that's good if you're a little more savvy on uh, on making your own stuff. And it's something I'm certainly going to look into because while I've never modded before, I have done a lot of work with 3D art and. Um, and, and stuff like that. So it would be fun to kind of try my hand at it, especially now that it's got a much wider base that uh, can handle it. Yeah, it, it is interesting to. Yeah, I'll have to look into that modding tool, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they mentioned it. It was a while ago when I, I looked it up, but uh, I think that they, they will have official tools for it to help people out. And I do know that the Skyrim Remastered Edition for PS4 and Xbox One is also going to have mod support. So I think that's kind of yes. going to be a common theme for them moving forward is that they, they want all their games to have mod support regardless of what platform it's on, which is freaking awesome. That would be really cool, especially especially in things that, you know, aren't RPGs. I mean, it's great for RPGs, um, you know, making it more immersive. Um, but even for shooters, I mean, or, you know, some, some other kind of game. Absolutely, especially with games like you know Fallout or Skyrim that have such an insanely large uh, uh, mod support community. I mean, I, I referenced them remaking games with mods, and I, I believe it was people actually were getting really far into recreating Elder Scrolls Four using the Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim engine. Like they oh. rebuilt the whole freaking game using the Skyrim engine on on PC. Wow. I mean, that's that's how crazy this stuff gets. And I don't really expect that that degree for you know console, but certainly you know it shows that the dedication of the mod community is is there to put forth really really good quality products. I mean, the, the work these guys do is absolutely insane. I mean, you can you can joke about nudity mods, but some of the stuff that that I've seen put together, it, it goes well beyond. And, you know what the game would normally support, but you know they've they've figured out a way to make it work. And I think that that's that's going to really not only add to your experience, but also kind of improve the longevity of these games moving forward. Which is which is great because I mean, even as massive as these games are, you do eventually do everything. And with mods, people add quests, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. it, absolutely. Like you you look at a game from uh, like Skyrim that came out. I think that came out in 2011. So what five years ago now? Um, and I know people who are still uh, starting up new Skyrim campaigns with with you know different kinds of mods and are are still getting enjoyment out of that game, 
even five years after its initial release and five years after they played the shit out of it for, you know, hours and hours upon end. So that's amazing to see that something like that can happen to a game uh, with, you know, somebody messing around on a computer. It's like, ooh, I think it'd be cool to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm looking forward to it moving forward because I, I really kind of, while I own a gaming PC, I admit I haven't gotten too much into modding games before. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I unfortunately, I think I'm a console gamer hard, even though I do have both. And <laughs> this is kind of giving me a, an excuse to, to really take a good look at it and, and see what they've got to offer. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, anything else on mods and, and Fallout 4 before we move on? I finally got to the end of the uh, campaign. It's retarded. Without spoilers, what path did you go down? It's two. Okay, I, that's what I was thinking about doing too. So dumb. Oh. Uh, yeah, that, that's obvious. It, it's pretty stupid. It feels like it's just a big game, uh, gang war. Is is all I'll say. After you get to a certain point, it's like really. Well, it's because you usually never feel okay with the way you end a Fallout game. Usually, you've screwed really good people over because you had to, because there's no good yeah, option. Yeah, I, I really would have liked a middle ground. Um, just somewhere. Like, I don't want to kill this faction, I would just rather leave them alone, but I can't yeah. because the game. But, but plot. See, <sighs> I decided to probably go down that route solely because I wanted to kill the other guy and take his coat. Because um, you can't steal it, I discovered. So you have to kill him. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to milk him for all of his quests, and I'm going to murder him and take his coat, because that's what you do in Fallout. Yeah, exactly. What guy is that? <laughs> uh, the, the Brotherhood guy. Oh, okay. That, that, the, ass- the asshole that you hate the second you meet him that one yeah yeah yeah. okay no 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 more no more almost spoilers though because it's a it's a good story um for the most part but uh i guess man (laughs) uh moving forward so jay i know you're much more versed in the warhammer 40k mythos than i am but uh i happen to come across a trailer for a game called uh space hulk deathwing and it's apparently warhammer 40k and so i kind of ran it past jay and he's like yeah i've been tracking that for a while so Jay, did you want to kind of do a quick uh, flyby on this one? That game looks pretty cool. Yeah, sure. So, um, I, I we'd have to dedicate a whole show to getting into the into the Games Workshop sort of depth of Warhammer 40k and then how it relates to Warhammer Fantasy. I mean, it is if you thought the world of Warcraft, like the Blizzard Warcraft stuff, had a lot a lot of juice behind it. This you could make an argument that Games Workshop has built perhaps the largest. Um, like IP, like fantasy slash sci-fi, you know, like made up IP that's out there. Like and that, that includes like it rivals like anything that's in the star Wars universe in terms of just raw content um, and, and just numerous, you know, stuff. I mean, they pump out, you know, product all the time in terms of uh, like stories, audio plays and, you know, tons of different gaming pieces. So anyway, uh, the, the 40 K uh Space Hulk game that's actually been around for a very, very long time. It started back as a tabletop game, like a board game, actually. I, I think maybe 20, 25 years ago, because uh, Warhammer 40K, that game universe has been around for, yeah, since the early 80s. So long story short, you play like this small group of like uh, Space Marines or Adeptus Astartes, if you will. Uh, they're basically these sort of... Um, altered human, you know, warriors of the future, you know, like normal people that were taken a very young age and sort of like the classic halo, 
you know, Captain America, any kind of super soldier kind of thing. They like steroided him up with, uh, to about seven foot tall, you know, big hulking guys with these, uh, sort of Hulk bustery style, uh, pieces of armor called Terminator armor. And these are like the, uh, the heaviest, the heaviest versions of these, like the most lethal, like elite versions of the, you know, space Marines. Right. So, the Space Hulk is basically an, uh, an abandoned ship or out, uh, outpost or whatever in space. It's a Hulk at that point that's been infested by aliens. And then you go you go in, uh, you penetrate in, and then you're there to either cleanse it, destroy it, get back valuable artifacts off of it or, or whatever. That's your that's your role. Uh, and this is and you're going to deal with like basically the like one of the alien factions in um in sort of the 40 K property, they're very reminiscent of if you took like uh, the predator, the alien versions, and then like uh, something like the thing, like literally the, from the John Carpenter movie, the thing like that kind of stuff. Uh, that's sort of a good amalgam of the type of aliens that you'll deal with. And, and again, they've actually been doing, I, I'm fairly convinced that some of those ideas for, for those movies were taken from games workshop uh, because you know, most of those were written by Europeans who are very, very well versed in Games Workshop properties like this. So, it's a I, th- I want to say it's a four or five man co op first person shooter style setup. Now, the the board game w- was very you know dice heavy, very constricted sort of space. There were tactical choices, but there were only so many paths of victory that you could have. There's a tablet version of the of the tabletop game that I think is somewhat, it is, it is a third person turn-based strategy game that a lot of elements, the space Hulk elements are taken and put it in this first person shooter game. So usually very tightly controlled space management in terms of like the, the physical space that you play in, the enemies are going to be much, much, much faster than you. And there will be a lot more of them and they will continue to spawn until you achieve your objectives. Um, and you, there's really no healing per se in this. I think you can like stabilize a down, a down teammate or bring him back up, but it's, you just have this gigantic HP pool and armor and you fight through the entire level or, or mission, so to speak. I don't believe there's checkpoints in it. I think it's like you finish the mission or you don't kind of thing. Um, that's sort of been the, the, the trademark of the space Hulk games and it can get pretty, it can get pretty tough. So it'll be interesting to see how they do this couple of the the previews that uh that have been put out in terms of the gameplay you definitely get a feel for the weight of the of the protagonist characters that you play um they are they they sort of have a very powerful lumbering feel to them and then if you set the conditions for your engagement right pretty devastating Uh, but if you don't if you get isolated it's really easy to get flanked and, and you can't move that you can't move as fast so you're not going to be doing a lot of you know, ducking and weaving kind of first person shooter style stuff. This will probably play similar to like a mech combat game. Like if you, you know, that sort of weighty feel to it, that was at least what I, I was taking from watching the, uh, the gameplay footage. So it, it will take place all on these very Gothic looking, uh, beautiful environment ships uh, that, that are sort of the, the linchpin of the the 40k universe, this like sort of you know, neo gothic style of, of space architecture, 
Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be just absolutely saturated with Easter eggs for 40K fans. Um, now, a couple things in there. The customization is apparently fairly deep in terms of how you load out your your individual your character that you're playing, what weapons, the look of the character, the look of the armor is reportedly very, uh, it's pretty deep in terms of how you can get into it, uh, which would be pretty cool. And there, and you're playing basically, it's called Space, Space Hulk Deathwing. The Deathwing, they are like an elite group out of one Space Marine chapter, chapter being like a, you know, you know, think a brotherhood chapter, a chapter of brothers. Um, there's hundreds of them. Uh, there are some that are, you know, very, very well known, sort of tracing their lineage back to the original emperor of mankind kind of thing. Um, and I see that this will, this will be a DLC fest at some point. Like it, you know, once the game comes out, you'd be like, Oh, you can download the skin for this group of space Marines or this, you know, legendary group of heroes or, or this legendary weapon set. I think it sort of very much plays itself to that kind of cosmetic download or cosmetic DLC type thing. Uh, but so far it looks, it looks fairly solid. Um, Initial impressions. I have not talked to anybody that's done hands-on. I've looked at the the actual gameplay footage, and the reports coming back from people who were at E3 that that saw it, at least saw it live. Very few people have gotten their actual hands on it. They said it all looks pretty solid. Um, so I'm kind of interested. One of the things that they do tout is it is clearly a very a a very difficult game, and B uh, it is a very tactically oriented shooter game. Not turn-based. It is an FPS. It's a real-time FPS, but it is your ability to succeed or fail is is heavily dependent on you choosing good tactical options and managing your loadout, so to speak. Uh, so there is a first-person option, so you you can play as the the squad leader or the librarian. He's got like psychic powers, so probably a variety of different uh, buffs and and and. Um, debuffs that you can apply to your people and uh, squad orders type thing uh, in the first person in, in the world, the single player uh, campaign, so to speak, and you've got AI controlled teammates. Uh, but it's really, I think really tuned for is that small core group of, I want to say four, four or five players, maybe five uh, that, that are playing together, that small group of friends that go in there and uh, try to fight their way through these things. I would, like off the top of my head, again, I've, I've seen only some snippets of footage, like probably five or six minutes of gameplay footage. It looks like each level will have kind of that feel of a, um, a destiny rate. Maybe you know, it's, I don't think it's going to be, you know, 45 minutes, you know, or like vault of glass style, like time commitment, but, the, but it looks like it's a pretty meaty, meaty chunk uh, for each mission that you go on or each, you know, quote unquote level that you hit. So it looks pretty interesting. Now I'll be, uh, now here's the thing though. They, they probably will make this game look really well. It'll probably play very well and have just tons of 40 K stuff all over. And it'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll please the fans. The issue with this is that, or not, not the issue, but the one thing to look out for is this is not a game that you're going to stay with for, you know, a length of time because of the very nature of it. It is, it is a, a closed environment game that you'll probably play through it a few times. And unless they really start getting after adding some content, it's a good game to, 
to like hop in with some friends, like in between other things, or if you're like a hardcore 40 K fan and you're looking for a fix until like eternal crusade comes out or something like that. Uh, but it, it looks to be like, it'll be probably a pretty fun co-op experience, PVE co-op experience. It, there is no PVP in this game. Um, uh, so it, it kind of is what it is. I, it's literally just an, a first-person shooter take of what, in its original genesis, was a tabletop board game. Then became, and I actually there's actually a really good tablet version of it, turn-based tactical shooter version, really good one. Um, but this is sort of that next evolution of it. So I suspect it, it will be very popular with uh, you know the 40k crowd. It'll probably be a good one-off game for a lot of people. Uh, and they'll say good game, but fairly simple, you know, fairly simple, probably not like a lot of story or, or like RPG type arcs and stuff. I, there's probably some, some version of, of, uh, character development and leveling, you know, like abilities and stuff like that, but it'll be, I think this is designed as, is a little bit more of a short, shorter spin game in terms of, uh, gameplay, like replayability and that kind of thing. Uh, which is which is interesting because they've made some you know and I'm I'm a fan of the 40k universe I've read a bunch of the books and some of them are actually literally bestsellers like like New York Times bestsellers. Um, this is a a very unique visual style in the world. Uh, it looks like they've captured it. Uh, that back in 2011 they came up with Space Marines the the it was a PS3 game. They think it might have came out on Xbox, but it's primarily a PS3 game that was actually really good. Actually. It was you know, kind of a cover-based shooter, sort of Gears of War style, but really, really well done. Captured the, you know, captured the feel of the world. A good story behind it. Uh, looked good. Really good, like high-end voice acting. Uh, like some big, you know, actually some fairly, fairly well-known uh, actors were in it. The game did well. Had a decent score, you know, like seven point five out of ten kind of thing. Seven out of ten. Uh, but it didn't go anywhere because it wasn't. It didn't quite sell enough titles because. Probably not enough people were, were really aware of, of 40K, like particularly in the U.S. That's uh, a little bit more of an older crowd thing, and it's definitely a much more Euro uh, Euro sort of vibe to it. I mean, it's, it's Games Workshop based out of uh, Nottingham, England, actually. So I'm interested in it. It looks pretty good. So first-person shooter, tactical, tactically based. I think it's kind of got a... It's got, you know, traditionally this game is designed to be pretty hard. So maybe a, a touch of Dark Soulsy, you know, vibe to it, you know. Uh, so that should be pretty good. Uh, not a lot of support play in this, uh, but I think it's uh, it's more about tactical options and, and things like that and co-op PVE play. So should be should be kind of neat. Uh, so I'll be looking forward to it. It'll be fun to play, I think. Any questions on that, guys? No man, I think it looks pretty good. It's it's like I said, it's one I kind of stumbled across, and it, it looks, you know, I mean, we, we've talked about this in the past that it, it looks fun, but that doesn't really mean anything until you actually get your hands on it. So you know, we'll we'll see when the reviews come out what it what it actually entails. I, I do hope that it, it is pretty good because I've been itching for a really good, solid uh, co-op PVE game, and I think this is will will we'll hopefully scratch that itch if it doesn't turn out to be worth worth the time and money to to give it a shot. Um, it, I mean, it, it looks awesome. I mean, the, this guy's got a, a sword in one hand and a Gatling gun in the other. You know, mowing down zombies. I mean, <laughs> space aliens. I mean, it's 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 it it looks cool. Um, you know, at the very least. So we'll we'll hopefully uh, have it turn out to be pretty well. And I think it'll be a, a good shot at it. Um, yeah. Any questions, guys? Besides that. Okay. Take that as a no. Um, 
one thing like, like we talked about this last week, kind of something I've been trying to do is is find a uh, a freebie, a game, video, movie, something to watch or do for free each week. So one thing that I I did this this morning actually I played it for a couple hours is I tracked down a game called Guns Up on the PlayStation Four PSN uh, store. And uh, it it's actually pretty cool. It's kind of a uh, tower defense sort of game, if that's your thing. And I'm a big fan of those, so that's kind of why I, I hopped on it. Um, it's kind of got this uh, cartoony toy soldier almost look to it. And basically how it works is you've got your base, and you kind of set up turrets and, and cover and, and little soldiers that, that, that run out and defend against people who attack. So it's kind of this side-scroller sort of... Uh, you know, tower defense game, which is is pretty cool. You you build your base, and it's it's fun and all. But the the, the other other side of it is that you are able to attack other players' bases. And so what you do is that you then send off your your troops in a little truck, and then you select using this currency you have called munitions to um, send out grunts and assault and grenade launcher guys and, and guys with Gatling guns. And you, you kind of have to tactically um, decide when you're going to send them and in, in, in what order and whatnot. And then as you destroy things, as you're attacking the player's base, they drop power-ups, which you can then use to assist your, your, your troops as they move and you try to destroy the base um, as efficiently as possible. And the reason you have to be efficient is that the same currency that you use to upgrade your base, you also use to deploy troops while you're attacking. So you want to win because you get the win bonus, but you don't want to spend too much in the process because doing so is going to make it not profitable and, and a waste of your time. So it's kind of this cool give and take of, you know, how can I efficiently, you know, select who I'm going to attack and what kind of defenses they have and will I be able to break that for this cost and ultimately turn a profit which then I can turn around and use to level up my base to make it stronger and harder to you know to be attacked by other players and it's 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 a free-to-play game so it's kind of got a cash shop element to it um, a lot of cosmetics which is fine uh, some boosters like you can get double currency when you win and that's that's something you can pay for with gold um, but like a lot of free-to-play games you know it's uh, you get a, a small amount of that premium currency as you play so you aren't totally locked out of you know some of that premium content it's just you know it's gonna take you a really long time to get to it because it is a it is a bit of a trickle to get the gold but uh yeah, I mean, it's it's not a directly competitive game. You're not playing against people one-on-one -on -one at the same time. It's more of a, you know, I attack you, you attack me, you know, you can kind of walk away from it. It, it. it reminds me a bit of a phone game in that sense that you aren't forced to necessarily sit there and babysit it. You know, your your base will defend itself when you get attacked. You don't have to sit there and, and jump in and log in to, to defend your base. You're going to get stomped. I mean, it's not like that. So it, it does kind of have that that fun aspect that you can log in and kind of play around with it for, you know, five, 10 minutes, maybe an hour just to kind of tweak stuff and test it out. And you can go into kind of a, an NPC defense mode where you can just have endless waves of NPCs attack you and you can test your defenses and you get rewards for, for lasting longer and you can kind of optimize your setup and whatnot. So, you know, overall, pretty fun game. Um, definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of tower defense. It, it definitely uh, goes around those lines. You're, you're positioning sniper towers and, and machine gun uh, nests and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's available on PlayStation 4. Uh, check out the PSN store. It's free to play. Um, it's got, like I said, some multiplayer aspect to it. You can fight against your friends and you can kind of do little mock battles back and forth. And uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out. That sounds pretty cool. How'd you how'd you find them, by the way? 
I just kind of trolled through the, uh, the 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 free section of the PSN store. I mean, some of it's uh, PlayStation Plus only, some of it's free. I'm not sure if this is PS Plus only. I don't think so. Um, but it is it is out there for free right now, for me at least. I'll have to check and confirm to see if it is PS Plus only. Okay, that'll be pretty cool. I might check that out. Yeah, no, it's uh, like I said, if you're a fan of tower defense games, it's, it's definitely something that you would enjoy. Um, to give it a shot. So, uh, that being said, guys, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about before we kind of bring this one in for a close? Yes. Go for it. Um, so, uh, Black Desert had a uh, new expansion. I can't say anything about it other than it exists because it made the map 30% bigger, but I never got high enough level to get there yet. Um, but uh, the other thing is uh, the Steam sale is concluding. Um, it probably will be concluded by the time you uh, listen to this episode. Unless you're listening to it live. Um, I just finished The Magic Circle yesterday. I recommend it highly still. it was it, Its ending was satisfactory. I kind of wish the game was a little bit longer. I'm super excited to see what they come up with next. And I, I definitely intend to uh, uh, try out whatever they come up with next. Um, but the other thing is, is the Steam sale ends tomorrow on July 4th. Um, Microsoft is actually starting their game sale on July 5th. Um, and that's going to run through the 11th. Um, somehow our resident Xbox player didn't know about this, um, but there's going to be 250 um, Xbox games, one and 360 games that'll be on sale, um, and uh, 33 Windows Store games, including stuff like Quantum Break and the new Gears of War remaster and some of the Windows Phone games and stuff like that. I so, a lot of, those, of Microsoft game sales. I imagine some of those uh, 360 games will be backwards compatible, so if you have an Xbox One... Uh, just be sure you're looking at, at what's backwards compatible, so you don't you don't screw yourself over. It's actually worth mentioning. So I, I totally forgot, and you reminded me. PlayStation is also running a sale right now for their their summer sale. Um, I was able to pick up uh, Doom for like thirty five bucks today. So I I've been kind of itching to get that one, and told myself I'd, I'd grab it if it was cheaper. So I I grabbed that. But I'm kind of flipping through the pages. There's a lot of games in here that are ten dollars or less, some are even less than five dollars that are available on. Uh, the store. I mean, they're older, sure, but I mean, they're they're still you know, it's a game for five ten bucks. It's it's a pretty good deal. I think Little Bling Planet three is eight dollars. Like it's it's dirt cheap. So, you know, definitely worth checking out if you're a PlayStation user as well that they've got their summer sale. And I think it's um, I think there's some stuff that's running kind of the entire duration. And then there's some specials that are are like one only one week at a time. So they they kind of have a rotating sale going on. So uh, yeah, check that as, as well if you're a, a PSN user. Anything else, guys, before we close this up? No, I don't think so, man. All right, sounds good. Uh, all right, we'll move into shout-outs then. Um, let's start at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. What's up, man? Shout-outs? I, I've got nothing. Shout happy 4th of July. Zell. Happy 4th of July, those of us who are uh, here in, in the great United States of America. You're killing me, man. All right, uh, bait. Please tell me you have something. I actually do. Um, I would like to give a big shout out to literally everybody in my neighborhood who's taken the initiative and started shooting fireworks uh, yesterday and Friday night and tonight, <laughs> three like three days before the fourth. So that was really cool. Um, uh, I propose that we uh, we start the uh, the Fourth of July weekend. You know, starting before the fourth and then ending on the 4th, uh, because America. You know, fuck it, take a whole week. The whole week of July 4th, just shoot fireworks in the evening. Please. Don't do they that. Were, they, they were so, saying that, like, so stupid. 
like firework sales are like an all time high this year. Like people are just going absolutely crazy about it. Like it's like eight hundred million dollars, I think, sold so Holy far. Holy crap, dude! Yeah, it's it's, it's I'm I live in the. It's desert. not even legal here, and it doesn't help. It, it's normally illegal in Arizona because we have such bad brush fires, but they they allow it like for Fourth of July and for New Year's, I think. But it's been so freaking hot, like 120. Like oh. I'm, I'm really worried that. I mean, it's still they're, they're letting people do it, but it's so dry right now. I'm, we're gonna have issues, and I just, I know it. Next week, Pokey will be doing biomass for Right. Just kidding, but still, <laughs> dude, you never know. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's nasty here because we have a lot of um, ground brush, and it's extremely dry, yeah. and it's usually really spindly, so it burns real oh, well. Um, you, you start a fire in the desert, it can, it can wipe out a lot. I mean, it's not only like a forest fire, but it can spread real quick because, it, like I said, it's 120 around here lately. It's it's been nasty, and it's there's. We recently had a little bit of rain, which eases my mind a little bit, but still, it's it's pretty dry out here in some areas, so it, it could be bad. Don't be stupid for the fourth, everybody, please. Yeah, be be safe. Don't kill yourself or light your property or someone else's property on fire. That would be great. <laughs> um, Jay, shoutouts, man. Ooh. Okay. Uh, quick shout out to everybody in the uh, that is currently serving in active duty in the United States military, or they are a veteran in the United States military. Uh, massive props to you on uh, on America Weekend, as they say. Uh, so I do I do you know I make no bones of the fact that I am uh, an active duty military member, and I, this is kind of a side job because believe it or not, doing this podcast doesn't actually pay my bills. I know that's like a shocker, but um, Are you asking it, it, for a raise, Jay? I am. I am. I'm paid what I am worth. Let me put it that way. So. Uh, oh no, you're you're worth more than zero dollars. Trust me. I uh, I, I do I do want to give a shout out to to not only the members, but really maybe more importantly the family members uh, of of active duty military and or the reserves, you know, and uh, and veterans, like that. Like a lot of people don't realize, but uh, family members tend to actually serve. In, in a capacity that is unique uh, and and often overlooked, uh, it is not nearly as drama filled as like a couple TV shows would have you believe. Uh, but they make uh, certain sacrifices and do certain things that very few citizens of our country are are offered to do. So uh, that that would be the big shout out. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not plug a couple things on this weekend. Number one, uh, our buddy over. Uh, Jay McLean over on the Eve side. Uh, he is the purveyor of uh, Best of Us, uh, Eve Best of Us. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. You can find him in-game on CCP Games as well. He is he has become a, uh, a very active and very successful community organizer uh, utilizing video games as a way of getting after veteran outreach. He also actually helps put together some of the live events uh, some of the live community events, particularly up in the Northeast around the Boston area and up in the North in the uh, New England area for, uh, for CCP and, and a variety of other games. So uh, Jay McLean's an awesome guy. I highly recommend, highly recommend you check him out at, at best of us, uh, Eve best of us on Twitter. Uh, he is a, he is a good dude. Uh, and he is also a guy that hey, he runs a, a series of in-game outreach activities in uh, in Eve, where he actually hooks up veterans to services that they may need, like literally and like actual like real life services. Uh, so good dude. So that's one I'd like to give a plug for. 
the next one I want to give a plug for, and I think we, we've mentioned it maybe very, very briefly, but a, um, an old, uh, an old, old piece of mine guy named Matt best. Uh, he, he is, he, he is a YouTuber extraordinaire. And if you ever want to have like a good time actually understanding, like if you watch Matt's videos, you, you will have a much better picture of how to deal with like a modern veteran. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Um, they're absolutely hilarious. He's got a, a just ridiculous comic talent. He's a really good, a really, really good writer as well, like uh, like media writer. So he runs it. He runs a podcast on stuff. But if you look up uh, Matt Best Eleven X uh, or just Google Matt Best videos on YouTube, they're awesome. And uh, he has crowdfunded a movie that he produced, wrote. And they went out to Hollywood and, and basically a bunch of Hollywood folks of you know, volunteer time or worked at like, you know, union minimum cost, including, you know, fairly, fairly well-known actors and some other folks. They came out to make this movie that was predominantly um, was all written, generally produced by and crewed and starred mostly veterans uh, with the exception of some of these Hollywood folks that came out and actually tried to, you know, and helped to make the movie. It's called range 15 highly recommended very funny it's uh it is as i like to refer to it as it is a dude bro movie but it is really good it's really humorous kind of zombie apocalypse type stuff but it's very funny um and it's just one big long extension of matt's videos on youtube by the way uh so it's it's pretty solid i do recommend you you check it out there's not a lot of showings of it it's a very limited release uh, but I think he might have the DVD coming out here any minute. You can probably find some bootleg pieces of it here and there. Uh, it's pretty solid. So uh, without further ado, um, I, I the last thing I want to say is not really a shout out, but it is a bit of an announcement uh, for the five to six people that listen to the show. I've been I've been on the show like literally since the first one. Uh, well, you know, we're deep into a hundred, ep- little over a hundred episodes now. Uh, I have become incredibly attached to the group of guys and gals that we have on the show. Uh, the ability to generate some kind of media content and, and kind of contribute to, you know, a, a community, if you're a media community, it's really, it's really been a very fun thing for me. Uh, and I, I am going to have to take a, a short hiatus from it. Uh, well, by short, I mean, relatively short. Uh, so, as I said earlier, I am a member of the United States military. So sometimes this happens. Uh, I've been, I've been in and out. I do, I do travel a lot for my job, uh, but I will be gone for a very extended, extended amount of time. Uh, you know, probably a minimum of six months, if not longer. Uh, so I will be away from the show. And it, that's one of the reasons that we've kind of really transitioned a lot of, uh, the, the show running and, hosting and things like that uh, over to, to Pokey and Zellmore. Uh, they do phenomenal work with the blog and, and the website. Uh, and this was sort of the thing that I could help contribute a little bit more to was the, uh, was the podcast. So I'm going to be stepping away for a while, uh, but I le- I'm leaving it in incredibly capable hands uh, with Pokey and Zell and Bate who came on, you know, probably midway through our run. Uh, and we do have have a lot of good regulars that come on. Uh, Livy is once you get her going on something, she's awesome. Uh, we'll probably, I think, have some other uh, you know rotating guest hosts on. But I, I fully expect uh, the Biomass Podcast to to keep going strong. And we've made made some actually pretty good inroads 
with uh, with some developer studios. We've had some guests on. We're probably going to get some more here pretty soon. A lot of people are, are interested in coming on the show now as opposed to us just dragging them on the show. Uh, so timing with some of their game releases that we've got several several folks that are interested in coming back and talking to us, which I'm very keen to try to be able to download some of these uh, and listen to, listen to you guys. I probably, it, it is exceedingly unlikely I will be able to get on, on a live stream for a very extended time, but I will definitely try to check you guys out on Twitter occasionally, uh, which I will, I will certainly not be as probably active as I used to be, uh, depending on if we actually have like satellite signal <laughs> where I'm at. Uh, so I just want to let everybody know that I do appreciate the time I've had on the show and uh, it is my intention to come back, but it, it will be, like I said, a pretty extended absence. Uh, so I miss everybody in the Skype channels uh, and all the Twitter, the Twitter feed, have some good back and forth with people and people on that. Um, so that, that was, I guess my shout out slash, uh, you know, until we meet again, uh, component there, Pokey. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, my my shout out is actually going to be to Jay on this one. Um, I've known Jay for for many years. Um, he's helped me with a lot of stuff well before the podcast, and uh, in more ways than I, I could even possibly explain. But you know, he's he's been you've been fantastic, man. I mean, it's you you've helped me, you've helped us, you you've been as, as Zell said earlier, you are so incredibly talented at doing this sort of work that it's. You know, we, we do our best, but we, we do pale in comparison. And you've been such an asset to um, this podcast and, and you know, the, the whole media thing in general has just been absolutely incredible. And it's always fun and amazing to watch you work. And you've brought on some incredible guests. And, you know, when we have like Mitch Gittleman, for example, come on, that was freaking awesome. I mean, I don't even know how you pulled that off, but it, it was something that probably only you could have you could have done. So it, it's it's been a, a real honor. Um working with you and, and you know I, I shout out to you man I mean I can't thank you enough for everything you've done and you know I, I can only say that I, I hope that <laughs> it, it, you can come back as, as soon as possible because you know we love to have you on the show and uh, we are completely lost and more disorganized than, than usual <laughs> when you're not here but we'll we, we will do our best but we, we do hope you can hurry back as soon as possible so uh, I'm sure I speak for all of us and all of our listeners, you know, thank you for, for everything you've done and, and for helping us out with the show as, as much as you have and, and being a part of all of this. It's been a lot of fun and, you know, it is, it is good to, to call you a friend and, and a coworker. So, you know, we, we do appreciate you and, and hope you stay safe in, in, in your endeavors while you're uh, away. So, uh, with that said, um, unless there's any more closing comments before we uh, we close this one out, I, I think we're we're good to go, right, guys? Good here. Yeah, good oh. to go. Okay. Uh, well, as as Jay always says, and as we will probably continue to say, uh, thanks for listening, guys. May that be on stream or on recording, and uh, be safe on Fourth of July, and good night and good luck.